I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Today we get to uncover Zen Crier DeBrooks magic and you are going to be oh, so entertained. So um, you're going to learn so much. I have been following Zen for probably two years and I listened to her on Mind Love. Gosh, I think it was two years ago. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, she speaks my language. You know, the limiting beliefs and the the self-talk and the thoughts and how she's overcome her limiting beliefs and childhood, all the programs that we have been programmed our whole life. She's teaching people a different way. Like I like, you know, I've been learning that through uh, Joshua's teachings on the limiting beliefs and the uh, manifestation event forms and, you know, really diving deep within that that program for the last three years. But Zen puts a different spin on it. So anybody listening now that understands what I just said about the limiting beliefs and manifestation event forms and all the stuff that we've been, I've been taking from Joshua, this will be a fun one because it'll be a different spin on it, a different perspective, a different way of fixing that. Yeah, it's so fun. And she's an amazing teacher and definitely doing what she's meant to be doing here on this earth. And she's about my age and is a mom. And I just, I learned so much more about her during this conversation. I just can't wait to share her with you. Before I bring her on, this is what a couple sentences, it doesn't really do it justice, but you can kind of get a feel for who Zen is. She's a leading intuitive business and personal coach, stress transformation expert, founder of the podcast Zen in a Moment, and author of the Amazon bestselling book, Your Inner GPS. Follow your internal guidance to optimal health, happiness, and satisfaction. Her work history includes being a CEO of one of the first ever internet startups serving Fortune 500 clients. She found success by this method that she teaches. She's created and manifested amazing things in her life that we will talk about. And I go back to Abraham Hicks is kind of like the first real teacher that I found. And it's funny, I don't even remember because I was probably, gosh, in my 20s. So I don't remember how I found her. I don't think we had YouTube then. I don't know. Maybe it was, I don't know how I found her. But I was led to her and I definitely did that rabbit hole. And that's kind of what, who sparked Zen too. So she was given a cassette tape and, and why I'm saying that is because we've heard 
of the internal GPS system through Esther and Abraham. And that is what sparked Zen's mind into thinking, I need to figure this out. So she goes deeper into that. And gosh, it's so cool. And it's going to be at the end, we do a like a meditation slash visualization little thing that will help you understand what your internal GPS system is because we all have it. It's all part of our, our souls in this body. We all have one. And once you learn how to use it and you do use it, you just probably, if you haven't heard it the way Zen talks about it, now you'll be more aware. I think of it like now that I understand the way Zen talks about it, like even driving, I don't feel right about this. So that's, that's closed or I don't, you know, I'm, when you meet somebody, it's just, oh, she's, oh, she's so fun. I'm going to ruin it because I'm not going to explain it right, but you will love her. And before we bring her on, don't forget to message me and uh, let me know you're listening. Connect with me if you have any teenagers in your life that need mindset tools and they need direction and some someone to pull their their light out. I am the one. I would love to help you. And if there's any parents out there struggling with kids that aren't motivated or don't have confidence and, you know, getting ready to start another school year, be great if I could help help you with anything before another school year starts and get on the right track and start with the tools and be empowered knowing that you have the tools or they have the tools to go to school for a new school year. And um, my clients are, I have testimonials. You could go check out my website. My YouTube channel has them all in there too. And don't forget, you can always watch these interviews on my YouTube channel. All of them are on there. So it's kind of fun sometimes to, you can hear their voice, but when you could put a face to it, um, it kind of makes it more real. Anyway, so without further ado, let's bring on Zen Cryer DeBrook. Welcome, Zen. Hi, Ashley. Good to see you. Oh, so nice to finally meet you. And, you know, I've been, I told you before we hit record that I heard you on a podcast a couple of years ago and you resonated with me. Like you're my soul sister. You spoke the words I speak. You, you know, had children later in life. You know, we're two years age difference. And my life, when you made me reflect on my life, and I, I want to go into your background and your childhood first so people can understand why I really love your message and your purpose on the, in this body that you've taken over for this lifetime, because you are living your purpose. And it's so fun when I have been learning about you, why things happen in childhood to set you up. You know, they're all breadcrumbs to get yes. you to here we are at 52 and 54. But I want you to explain, I go back to what was cool. There's so many parallels in our lives, but the book Illusions by Richard Bach, that was one that I've always, when I was not, you were 13 when you discovered it. Yeah. Right? And see, my daughters are 14 and 17. And there's certain books that, like the four agreements I've introduced them to when they were young. I mean, I, I used to read Untethered Soul kind of, you know, like when they got a little older, but there's certain books that affected me as a child. And that was one of them, not a child. I mean, you were a child, but I think the way that your family, your raise and you 
it was perfect, right? Yeah. Everything's perfect. So will you go to the kind of how you're raised and we'll go from there? You know, it was, it was 1970 when I was born and it was such a different time. My parents built homes. Like my dad was a police officer. He was a California Highway Patrolman. Hmm. And my mom and him built their own homes. And it took everything out of them and they didn't really have a lot of time for us. So we were just kind of wandering around the neighborhood, you know, in the country. And there was some neglect just because they were trying to make their ways and way in the world. And they were in their late twenties when they were Mm -hmm. trying to pull this stuff off, you know? So there was abuse. There was, there was some sexual abuse that happened in the neighborhood with a neighbor person. And also my mom was kind of a rageaholic. She'd gotten that from her mom and she was tired and impatient and, so there is this double abuse going on in my life and it really kind of shattered me as a person. My mom regretted very much breaking my spirit. She felt like she did. And I had to get that back as I got older. And then my parents, they got divorced and they left me with a person who's in a kid's group, 4-H, and that person abused me. Oh, and wow. kind of mentally took me away from my parents, convinced me that I wasn't loved and they loved me more and, and my parents had gotten divorced and my dad married my mom's best friend from church. Oh, jeez. And so, you know, and here I am a teenager, 14, I think is at the time when everything really hit the fan for me. And, um, here's this new woman who's, I feel very much betrayed our family telling me what to do and how to do it. Then my brother got injured and put in a wheelchair from being hit by a car. And, and so there was just these challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge. And I remember. When I was, when I realized I was like, I was 18 and I had out on my own, I had sued my parents for emancipation because I figured that my problems were because of them. And Mm -hmm. to some respect they were, but I didn't, I didn't realize at that age that I could not escape your problems. You can't run away from them. They come Mm -hmm. with you, especially if you, if you're raised in a situation where all this programming is instilled in you when you're a kid. I thought if I could just get away with them, my life would be okay. Just get away from them forever. And I suddenly found myself really in a mess, homeless, living out of my car, working, trying my best to make it in the world and sabotaging myself because that rageaholic um, mom had kind of passed that rage down to me. And so I would blow up, you know, and they're not going to, you know, I blow up at work, for instance, and quit because the manager said something, right? And I expected them to kind of chase me down the street and say, no, don't go. Well, they don't do that for dishwashers in a restaurant, you know? Right. <laughs> no, we never did that. <laughs> okay, bye. You're kind of, you know, you don't get to talk to us that way. And my friend at the time, she was really concerned that I was not going to make it. You know, I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't a bad kid. It wasn't anything like that. It was just that I couldn't seem to make my life work. And she gave me this cassette tape. I have no idea where she got it. It was handwritten on it. It was mm. Abraham Hicks, said Esther Hicks on it. And I played that over and over because she was trying to get me to see that I was creating my own reality. And like you said, I had this background. I read all these great books when I was a kid that they're so like grasping at, at things because you can't, it's really hard to, from like illusions, you get it, but you can't do it. Right. So there's like an aha. And then there's the frustration of, not being able to figure out what, how to actually make it concrete. So she gave it to me and they were talking about the law of attraction. And what really got me though, was the internal guidance system. And she said, somebody asked her in this cassette tape, because all it was was people asking her questions in a living room. They weren't even a thing yet. 
Right. And they said, how do you have the perfect life? How do you have the absolutely perfect life? And she said, you have an internal guidance system. And when you feel tight inside and constricted, your thinking is carrying you away from what's going to be successful and bring you happiness. And when you feel an expanded feeling that you are moving towards what's going to create success and happiness. And so it's always about moving your thoughts into the expansion. And I knew that every time I had sabotaged my life, got in a fight with a roommate and said I was moving out and then came back the next day and they're like, nope, we don't want you to stay, you know, that kind of thing. Right. I felt that tightness, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't do it any different. I was stuck in this moment where I knew that I felt this way and it never worked out, but I didn't know how to do it different because there's programming. You just need your reaction through your life. So I started decoding this internal guidance system and trying to find the openings. And I'm going to tell you, it was not easy. (laughs) It was not easy because our mind really does project a story that seems so real in those moments. And to find a new thought that's more true than what the old thought is was like almost impossible at first. Right. I had to really question my reality from deep, deep place. And what I found was, is that most of our thinking is not true or not going to happen, especially when we're closed, when we feel that tight feeling, a lump in the throat, tightness in the chest, or a sick feeling in the solar plexus. Those sensations are literally telling us that we're in a story that is not going to work out for us. It's like a compass. Mm -hmm. And I had to radically think different. And once I learned how to radically think different, my life changed rapidly. I went from living out of my car and being unemployed to getting a college degree. I was a high school dropout. I ended up getting my high school diploma. In night school, I went to college. I got a degree. I ended up starting a tech company in downtown San Francisco, a block and a half from the Transamerica building. I was the CEO of that company. We had a London office. It was, it went to six million in two and a half years. And it was just an incredible experience to just consistently stay in the opening. So we need to go there because people are like, oh, I want to do that because whatever she's saying and that this magic started happening. So my thing back with Esther and Abraham Hicks, I mean, that was part of my grow growing like in my 20s. I, I live in San Diego and she has a house here and she used to have a lot of the first classes, you know, down at the convent, at, you know, hotels, ballrooms. And I would go and I just would be like glued. Like, I understand that. I understand listening to a cassette, knowing that she's your angel who brought you this cassette, you know, that had, I can picture it with the writing on it. You know, it's not even a DVD player or, a, you know, a CD. It's those cassettes we were raised yeah. with. Yes. When Abraham, when I started going in that and I understood it, that's where I'm saying the parallel and why you say I, I started to see my life shift. Mm-hmm. It is that. It's the downstream thoughts or the upstream thoughts. All the things that she or Abraham would, you know, the, <clears throat> the, the way that my body felt when I met someone, being aware of that, like, and knowing that it is something to be aware of. It's not just some fluke. Like, and to know, like, where you say, you look outside and think the trees and the nature all takes care of itself. Like, it's yes. all perfect, right? Yes. That's us. Yes, it is. But when I, when, so when you explain how your life started to shift, you finally started understanding the opening and the closing. And I think that's important to explain and where it is in your body. And having that awareness is the uh, really the key. And I think you just listening to those cassette tapes and finally like decoding it, like really trying as a woman, 
mm-hmm. raised with all these limiting beliefs and didn't really have any like empowering ones. And then having to shift that and have that whole mindset shift. That's like I train teenagers and parents and on this stuff. And we work and I think all these parents with these beliefs, like you were in your 20s and to live your whole life and raise children like the hamster wheel and do it again, but you stopped. And that's the cool thing. So anyway, that's my Abraham connection, but let's go to that place, the opening and the closing and the body and all that and how you describe that. Cause that's so, I love it. I think that first of all, we're all, everyone's born with this tool. Inside them. And we've mis we've misinterpreted what it means. So most of the time when someone feels a sick feeling in their solar plexus or a tightness in their chest or a lump in their throat, they think that what's happening outside of them is causing the suffering and the pain, the uncomfortableness, the unpleasantness. And it's actually what we're thinking about what's happening outside of us. Right. It's radical self-awareness and mm-hmm. self-responsibility. And that was what was so hard for me to get, right? Of course, this person's making me feel bad, making me feel bad, right? And it's actually the way that I was interpreting them. And so once you get that click, you can then begin to, in the moment, when you feel that tightness, you can release it into an expanded, a neutral or an expanded feeling. And those thoughts are more in alignment and are actually taking you to where you want to go. I like to kind of think of it as the hot cold game that we used to play when we were, yeah. uh-huh. you know, where, you know, you're, you hide. So for those of you who may not know, you blindfold yourself and then there's people around and they hide an object and they try to guide you by saying hot, cold, lukewarm, Sahara hot, super hot, you know, right. fridge, Arctic cold, you know, that whole thing. And that's kind of what this tool inside us is doing, except with our thinking, it's helping us find the thought because it's in our thinking that everything happens. Mm-hmm. So an example of that is, is my dad and I had a really rough time when I was young and he hurt my feelings a lot and said things that were mean, you know, kind of thing is in my interpretation. Mm-hmm. And I found myself driving up I-5 to Sacramento from Southern California to spend time with my dad for Christmas and the family. And I was thinking, why am I even doing this? We never get along. I always end up crying within the first hour that I'm there. He doesn't understand me. He doesn't even like me. And I suddenly realized I was closed. And I thought, yeah, but I know. I mean, we, I have tons of evidence, a lifetime of evidence that he doesn't love and really love me and doesn't really like me. And I was still closed. And so I started trying to noodle through it and try to figure out, well, what could this be? What's the thought that would open me? And finally, I was, I just had this thought, well, he really gets along with my brother and I opened. So that was my first little opening. Right. So when you're saying you're closed, you're having that tightness. Yeah. I had a tightness in my chest. Right. Lump in my throat feels like you can't swallow, you know, like you got something right. there. And I got, I released that released when I thought, well, he gets along really well with my brother. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, yeah, but they're both boys. And I opened again. And then I thought he didn't know how to be a dad to a girl. And I got a big expanded feeling. Oh. And that's the opening. That's right. the thought that's more in alignment. And I remember I was, I started crying and I was thinking, oh my gosh, I suddenly, everything made a difference. It it was all different. All my evidence, when you put that one thought in, that he just didn't know how to be a dad to a girl and he kept making mistakes, you know, and and then then it finally got to a place where he didn't even want to try. If a man can't win, he generally quits. He wants to play the game. And so he just got, was just like, I was too sensitive and he's never going to get it right. And so why bother? And he was mad at himself. 
not really mad at me, although it felt like he was mad at me, but he was really mad at himself. Mm -hmm. And I decided that I was going to teach him how to be a dad to a girl. I was going to tell him what to buy instead of being upset that he didn't know me well enough to buy a good gift. I was going to tell him what I, my feelings were hurt, why, and how that would be interpreted. You know, he wasn't pretty, he wasn't really that great with most women. It wasn't just me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and you're how old at this step as you're I driving I was 27. Up? Oh, okay. Yeah. And I had spent most of my life trying to get my dad's love. And so mm-hmm. actually by healing this part of us, my dad and I, I, it changed my life because I stopped trying to impress him to get his love. I just had it. And it released me to be able to do what I wanted to do instead of what I thought would make him happy. Right. And which was you know crazy. What? It changed my whole life, really. Uh-huh. But it's the thing is, is that I did, if I hadn't had that radical thought and had the opening to tell me that it was true, he would have probably died two years ago and we wouldn't have been friends. We wouldn't have had a close relationship ever. And we were able to build a relationship after that. I love that. So that's what it's like. And it's these simple things like being a tech CEO. I had no background in tech (laughs) and I didn't really need it. What I needed was what I had, which was I had project management skills. I took these punks in the street incorporated who were doing the code and I gave them structure to deliver projects and to do it well and on time and how to sell the projects. And that's what ended up having me leading the company. Wow. And it grew very organically. But to have the thought that I could jump into a CEO role was so radical for me at the time when they said, well, we want you to be the CEO as we were starting this company. you know. And then to walk into the boardroom at British Petroleum and to have the guts to say, yes, we would put an office in London. And I've never done that before. you know. I, right. I don't know how to do that, but it opened me that I could. And it opened yeah. me that it was right. And so that's the difference is we have all these, you know, closing is we've labeled closing fear, anxiety, overwhelm, frustration. These are all closing things. Irritation, procrastination, impatience, guilt, defensiveness. It's just to name a few things. Anytime you feel experiencing any of those, you're actually closed, which means what you're thinking is not true or not going to happen. And that's when you search for the opening thought and your life changes. Right. Oh, so the thoughts are so powerful. Going to your dad and understanding how you shifted that relationship and knowing your story and how you, when you were dating, you used to think you were jealous and you realized one day that it wasn't jealous. You were yeah. insecure. Mm-hmm. But how did that play in the way you dated and how you, because, you know, I have, you have one girl and one boy. Yeah. Yeah. So I have two girls and I've raised them in, in with my husband. Thank God that they see their values and their, when they go out and date, they know their values. They have their self-worth, right? The, yes. All the things that you, I wished I had when I was that their age. Tell us that story. Well, when I was in high school, I was told that I was a very jealous person and it really wasn't even just men. It was also women, friends, you know, I, they start meeting somebody new and then I get insecure and I feel like I'm going to lose my friend. And it it was translated by others into jealousy. And I was told I was jealous. And I'm the kind of person, if there's something wrong, I'm going to try to fix it. Right. So right. I started working on jealousy. And one day I was listening and it, I couldn't get it. I couldn't figure out how to heal it. It was so frustrating. I was in my late 20s or mid 20s and I was listening to Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Yeah, I loved, I always listened to her too. I know. I loved her. She was so practical. Mm-hmm. And she was talking to somebody and she said, you're insecure. 
And the woman, when she was talking, I realized, was like, I said, that's how I feel. And so when she said, you're insecure, I thought, I'm insecure. I'm very happy about it. You know, I was like, I'm <laughs> okay. insecure. And I, yeah, and I opened, I, my body opened up. And I was like, oh my gosh. I even called my boyfriend. I was like, insecure. He's like, is this a trick question? He literally, I was like, no, no, no. He's like, well, of course you're insecure. I said, but I didn't know. No, I'm not jealous. Because I would tell my boyfriends, I'm jealous. I'm a jealous person. I'm sorry. It's just who I am. I, you know, to try and head it off in the past, right? And now I knew what to do. I needed to build my self-esteem. And it's completely different than being jealous and wanting to control another person. Right. Totally different experience. So I began working on my insecurity and building myself up. And I've learned a lot about that. But what immediately happened is my confidence grew and I did change the type of man that I was dating because mm. I was dating insecure men because right. we matched. Yeah. Right? You, like attracts like. Yeah. And it, they may not have been insecure about me, but they were insecure about their, their way in the world or what they were here to produce or their purpose or, you know, that kind of stuff, their worth. And so it's things like that. I mean, I think the interesting thing is, is that People think that when they're they're feeling this close that I'm talking about, this tight sensation, this sick feeling in the solar plexus is super uncomfortable. They think that what they're thinking is true. And so when we, I've had lots of people who've studied with me who have come in with this brokenness that they think they have mm-hmm. and only to find out that that's not their problem. They think that they have this problem, but they don't. If something is really truly needing to be worked on and shifted and I wouldn't even call it fixed, but moved past, right? it'll open you. It doesn't hurt to discover areas where you need to improve, right? right? Shame is closing every single time. It's closing. It's not true what you're thinking about yourself or how you've done something wrong. If you have done something wrong, it'll open you. I've never looked at it the way I learned it from you as far as being closed or open. So it's really transformed the way I even help people with their thoughts, their beliefs, you know, their limiting beliefs. But when you talk about the shame, the fear, anxiety, stress, you know, and I'm always like, no, you're using the wrong words. When I hear those really peak my, I'd like my radar goes off when I hear people talk about those words. And I've never thought of it like those are such closing words. Yes. Every time, all the time. And limiting and not true. And now that you can open, yeah. so we're opening, we're going to have an opening thought. So yes. instead of saying, oh, my job is so stressful. It's like, oh, I can't stand it. I can't wait for, that's so closing. Instead, shift it, right? Yeah. You're just changing your words and your. Yes, except it's interesting because this is not about positive or negative thinking at all. Right. Okay, you can open to what we would consider to be a negative thought or an, I like, I prefer pleasant or unpleasant because it's really about just simply the, the body sensations. The closing is guidance that what you're thinking is not true or not going to happen. Okay. And so when you pivot into an opening thought, you're not just saying, you know, I love my job and trying to counteract the, I hate my jobs moments. Right. Right you really are actually shifting to thoughts that will create a reality for you that is where you're supposed to be. Mm. And sometimes it looks scary, but you're open that it's going to be okay. I've done lots of scary things, but I was open 
Right. And I knew that I could do them, even though when I really stepped back and looked at what I was doing, I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. Right. What am I doing? I can't do this. I'm too little. I'm too, I don't have that power. And I would close. You can even feel it. I'll give you an example about the job. I had a student who came and we, we was doing the 12 day recreating you game. And she hated her job, she said, and she wasn't making a difference in the world. And she really wanted to go out and make a difference in the world. Right. Right. But every time she talks about how much she hated her job and she wanted to go do something else, she was closed, which means what she's thinking is not true or not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I talked to her about her job. Now, what she did for a living is when these giant computer programs and servers in companies like banks, big companies who have to have their servers working right. because it affects millions and millions of people, they would contact her. She got to work from home and she was in tech. And so they would contact her. And then she would pull all the strings behind it to get them back up and working. Wow. And I said to her, I said, you know, that's, that's a pretty important job. She's like, yeah, but it's not really making a difference. I said, so when that, that person calls you and usually it's probably at the C level, right? Really high up VP, C level person. She was like, yeah, I always, I'm at the CTO level is where I talk to people. I said, so they call you and their job is on the line and millions of people are being affected, like not being able to get into their bank accounts or whatever. How are you in that moment? She says, well, I'm really calm. I'm, I'm really good at my job. I, I, I talk them down and I fix, help them fix it and get them back and going. I said, don't you think that makes a huge difference for everybody at the company under that person? If you were freaking out, don't you think that would freak them out? Right. And I said, number one, you get paid well. You work from home. You do make a difference. And you can go and take all of your classes on Reiki and, and massage and all this other healing stuff that she wanted to do. And mm-hmm. never even have to take work home with you, do you? You just you just leave it behind when you turn off the computer when your day's over. She goes, yeah, I, I don't have to take it home. It's, it's totally like off my mind. And so all of a sudden she opened and she's like, wow, I do have an amazing job. And so what she reported the next week on the coaching call, since she had that thought and it opened her, she's had the best job. She says, I have the best job. Mm. I love my work. She goes, it's so, it's, and it's so fulfilling. I like really fix problems all day long. That's all I do is help people fix big problems. I'm like, I know you have a great job. And she's like, I make great money and I can pay for all these classes and vacations and things I want to do. And my kids are good. So the the thing was, is that we get ourselves trapped in these illusions, these stories that we tell ourselves that are, and it's the story, the wrong story for us that makes us miserable. Change the story, change your life, right? Yeah. Yeah, And then this tool that we were born with, I think, I, I mean, I'm so not only that, but from that point forward, she couldn't go back to thinking that she didn't like her job. She couldn't go back to thinking that she wasn't making a difference because as soon as her thoughts would go back to that old thinking, it would close her and it would not feel true. So like, I couldn't go back to my thinking that my dad didn't love me. Right. It closed me. It caused me suffering. It wasn't true. So what I discovered over the course of the last 30 years is that when we shift, we start a new neural pathway in our brain. The old programming that makes us miserable begins to go extinct. They call it neural extinction. And the new programming that's in alignment with who we need to be, where we need to be, how we need to be, begins to take root. Mm -hmm. And because it feels so good, the opening, we consistently think that thought, which brings it home and lands it, roots it into who we are, which is how I created so much change so fast because I was actually changing the neural pathways of my brain. So Ashley, we were born with a system that tells us when we are in old programming that's not right for us, old stories that are not right for us. 
And it tells us and then guides us to the news stories and recreates our brain. Wow. (laughs) Right? To me, this is the next level of human evolution. Us being able to reprogram our brains because we do carry our histories through our DNA. They've proven it. They have a, a experiment they did, they did with rats where they, they took a metal grate or rats, man, they, but yeah. they electrified it. Okay. And that had this thing that went all around the outside of the grate and the rats learned to not walk on the grate because it was electrified. Then they took those rats out and they had the babies and they brought them back in and the, the, that next generation would not walk on the grate. Mm even though it was no longer electrified. And it took three generations before they would step on the gray lines. Wow. I believe that's how we are, Mm -hmm. right? We're carrying our genetic code and our genetic memories into our life. And that's part of the reason why it's so hard for humanity to change is we just haven't been able to figure out a way to shift that memory, that trauma. And now we have a way. So I see this as being something, and you're right, I'm, I'm in my purpose. This is my thing to do in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I just see this as a tool, a way that we can solve the heartache and the suffering for all of humanity together. Amen to that, sister. Because I, you know, I look at the world we're living in right now, raising a family in a relationship, in a marriage. And if you can... Be that person because there's so many people that just are on that hamster wheel and will just do that until they die and come back and do it again until they figure out a way to be open, Yeah, <laughs> you know, yes. and shift it. And when I feel, I understand, I see the world like you do. And I'm like in a relationship with Richard in a, in that way, but it hasn't always been that way, but I've learned how to be open and, you know, have this amazing trigger-free marriage, you know, yes. as human as possible and raising a family and not wanting to repeat and it being aware and teaching these girls. And I, I want to ask you how you parent your kids, because I want kids to get this now. And that's, that's my purpose. I, I'm here. I know I am. <laughs> I yeah. get so lit up when I see these kids on Zoom that I'm working with and I they are they're so hungry for it and they're at that I always say like the kids are being born now at this different vibration you know the earth yes. I mean the whole thing today was the this energy and right now the Schumann resonance is like off the chart I guess or something but it made me think of how we're evolving on this earth like yeah. you know our the vibration and the energy and the kids that are coming in now, but the wheel is still going to f- be on this hamster wheel. If there's people that are like, aren't like the people that get like you or me can just go in there and put this poke, the stick in it, like Abraham always talks about and stop that wheel. Yes. Yes. So tell me, tell me what you, when like with your kids and how your relationship, I, I love the story about your husband, like when you get excited about something and you get, I, I relate to that because I do too. And he's like, uh, and I know he's the same way. Like he wants to say yes. And you're manipulating. And then you, you're like, oh, darn it. Like, there yeah. we go again. Let me tell that story. So it doesn't sound. <laughs> <laughs> so I got really excited one day and I ran upstairs to talk to my husband and I was trying to get him to do something, right? But but I was just really excited and enthusiastic. And he goes, I hate it when you manipulate me. 
And it just crushed me. I was like, what do you mean? I'm not manipulating you. And my IGS closed, which means what I just said isn't true. And I was like, I just closed. That you say that out loud with them? Yeah, I, 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 I <laughs> no, I said it in my head. Oh, okay. I said, well, I said, I am not manipulating you. And I closed. That's how fast this IGS is. It's, it's watching every thought. It's supporting you in every thought. And I said to him, I did say to him out loud, I said, oh, I just closed. I do manipulate you. And I, I, I felt the expansion, the, the opening. And I was like, tell me more. Because to me, the word manipulation is, is awful. It's bad. Yeah. Women shouldn't manipulate. I mean, that's like not who I am. I don't want that. And he said, you get so excited. And like you come up and you want me to, to just say yes. And I don't have time to think about it. And if I say no, because you don't give me time to think about it, then I'm a jerk. I've made you unhappy. But if I say yes, then I get down the road and I end up having to say, I might have to say no, because I didn't get a chance to think it through fully for me. And then you're mad at me because I changed my mind. So either way, I'm a big jerk. And that's mm-hmm. manipulation. You, you can't come in here so excited. You need to come in here and give me a chance to think about things. And he's right. I was a cheerleader. I'm an influencer. That's what I do. You know, I'm, 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 you know, that's who I am. And I get excited. And so it really helped in our marriage because I would come up like, I'm really excited. I'm going to tone it down. Right. You have time to think about this. And it was really supportive, you know? And, and so that's the thing is, I mean, this tool is a, this part of us. It's not even a tool. It's a part of our human experience that we haven't tapped into. And it's amazing. And I do parent my kids differently. I see them as already grown souls. Yeah, I love that. And they're not my children. They're not little things. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean I let them drive at four. You know, of course not. But I treat them as if they have a purpose and I need to give them the tools that they need to accomplish it. And so like we don't, I don't punish my kids. They have consequences. And the consequences fit what's going on. So that would be like in real life because real life has consequences. My son did something and I can't even remember what it was, but it was, it was, it was, we broke a vase that we got at our wedding as a gift. And it was a very special thing for me. And he didn't mean to, but I had told him a thousand times not to swing stuff in the house because he could break something. And so when it shattered, he said, I'm sorry. I said, honey, sorry doesn't fix everything. You have to learn. I mean, I know that we've said you say you're sorry and you do, but there's lots of things in life. If you get drunk and you drive, and you hurt somebody, you kill somebody, you can't say I'm sorry to their family. There's lots of things that you can't say I'm sorry and fix. Sorry's not good enough sometimes. And I know that's painful, but it's real. And so, you know, that kind of conversation, people are like, oh, that's so advanced for a seven-year-old, but he got it. Mm-hmm. And I've heard him teaching other kids. Uh-huh. Like that, you know, get hurt on the playground and It'll be, it'll, the kid will be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And my son will say, sorry doesn't always fix everything. She's hurt. Providing them with the tools and the thinking that will help them to reason in life. And it has them be close to me. I mean, we're close because we have these conversations. I have a 14-year-old daughter and um, she's going through her hormones and, you know, her clock and her period because a few days before her period is just awful if I don't know it's coming. And I'm teaching her to be able to tell people like, hey, this is coming up and I'm going to do my best, but I'm not good at this yet. You know, and I said, you need to tell your husband, you need to tell your friends. I'm starting to know because the conversation's usually the same. She's super unhappy and not loved and all this stuff. And I remember having that conversation with my significant boyfriends and people in my life. And then it would be over and I'd be like, what was I thinking? I'm crazy. Why did I put them through that? (laughs) You know? Giving her the the understanding that that's her responsibility. Right. But, you know, another cool story was 
why I love this stuff for kids is when you went to the, when you're at Costco and she was, had a pillow and she was, you were watching her hold it. And like, she was seeing if she was open or closed because she was going to buy it with her own money or something. Yep. Yep. And I watched her. She just kind of held the pillow and just was sitting there. And she, she had this disappointed look on her face and she put the pillow down. And I said, what'd you do? She said, I closed it buying it. I don't need it. That alone. I mean, I, I can see people saying, well, is that your intuition? You know, cause I try to explain to the girls like, you know, listen, is it, or is it calling you? Is it, does it, but it's more like you're feeling your body, like getting to like really have that awareness, right? Like intuition. I'm intuitive. I have intuitive gifts and that's information that comes to you in a different form. So I'm claircognizant, which that means is I have thoughts that drop in and they're whole. I can, I can actually look at them in different sides. You can ask me questions and I can see how things are. That's what made me a good business person. And other people are empaths, right? And so they feel other people's emotions. If you talk to an empath, different empaths, they all feel it's slightly different. Hmm. It's not the same, right? Some people feel it as themselves. Other people just feel it in the room. Like they can feel the energy of it. And it's all the same gift, but it's different for each person. The internal guidance system is the same for every person. It's always the same. Lump in the throat, tightness in the chest, sick feeling in the solar plexus working with the mind to find your openings. The mind is different. Each mind is different because the way that it's been created throughout its life, but the tool is the same where, so with intuition, like you can use the internal guidance system to make your intuition more effective, clearer, Mm -hmm. because the second that you get an intuitive piece of information of any sort, our mind drops a story around it, you know, wraps it up in a story. Well, that means this, or that person's this. And you have to kind of take away the story that the mind created to get to the pure information to be accurate and really understand the intuitive hit. But they're two different things. And so what I think this is, is that we are still in touch with something divine. I believe it's the Holy Spirit for me. I don't teach it as, as a Christian tool because I believe it belongs to every human being and we're all evolving to what God is. My mm-hmm. basis is very Christian. and. Once you're using your IGS, it will lead you to where you're supposed to be. And so I don't worry about that. I just help, help them turn on the tool and start using it and they get there. But I do believe it's like the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a divine essence inside of our beingness that is supporting us in finding peace and love and to contribute who we are, that each individual matters a lot. And this is a way for them to understand how they matter and why mm-hmm. they matter and what to do with that mattering of mm-hmm. their lifetime. It's a divine essence. It's it, and I believe it's all in nature. It's completely, it's all throughout nature. It's everywhere. Like whales migrate into the opening. You know, they don't just go. Oh, it's September seventh, and we need to hit down to Mexico now. You know, no, they can feel it. They're like, oh, I'm feeling like right. it's time to move. And same with storms and seeds come up out of the ground, and you know everything out in life. And I think also that it's an organizing principle. I found that magic and synchronicity are the norm. When you use your IGS, the yeah. resources show up, the people show up, the thoughts that need to be there, strategy that needs to be there, everything starts showing up. And when you get out into nature, everything's there. Like you were saying earlier, there's a synchronicity to everything, you know, exactly as it needs to be. And so there's a reason why acorns fall and then they're covered by leaves, which is like mulch, you know, and there's this whole, and then the rain comes and there's this perfection. Mm-hmm. A perfection. And we are a part of that perfection. And we've developed our mind to a point in our human existence 
where it's not going to carry us further. And that's what you're seeing in the world. You're seeing the breakdown of the mental construct that we've created because we don't have the answers up here. This dies. When we leave the planet, this mind of ours dies. And what's left is this essence and this soul. And so we're being called on a grand scale to move back into a collaboration with nature where we're, we can see that we're a part of it again. And there, there's a perfection. And in that, we won't be afraid of death anymore. We won't have fear in the way we do now. Fear is a construct of the mind. It's not real. And I know that's really hard to get because there's a lot of scary things out there right now. But it's true. It's not real. And it keeps us away from love. It keeps us away from being kind. It keeps us from solutions that we have right at our fingertips that we can't even see because the fears in our face making us feel like we have to separate ourselves and go for the money or all of it. So we're in this grand experiment and it's about to change. And I'm very optimistic. I am very optimistic about where we're going. And I know that's a big thing to say with the timing that we have and everything that we're seeing. I see it too. I'm not an idiot. I'm very smart. I also (laughs) see human and that humans are exquisite. And we just need to know, have a new parameter with which to begin creating change. Right. I believe this is it. Do you believe that as our souls decided to come down here, because I feel like we're the bravest of the souls that decided to come down right now to live in this expansion or this experiment or whatever. Or hell. I mean, it's kind of hell. You know, as with my in-laws, they're older and it's the the news and the, you know, talking about, and I get from their perspective and I'm, I'm listening and understand that. I don't watch the news and I don't get wrapped up in that. I look, it closes me, I'm sure, right? <laughs> it's a closing. Well, your thoughts close you. Your thoughts about Okay. The yes, the thoughts. Really important right. distinction. Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. The thoughts about the world close me. So I'm listening, but I'm thinking, gosh, we came here. I want to hear your perspective. And then you talk a lot about like soul family and like your kids are the souls. And I love talking about that and how you view, you know, dying and what happens in that soul essence and then why do we choose to come back and do you believe that i do i do believe that i use my internal guidance system i mean that the way that i come by what i believe is honestly through following these openings and what i believe is we choose to come here i do and i've listened to near-death experiences as well Mm -hmm. which has really guided me in in being able to think out of the box because they're so similar one of the things about the near-death experience world is that they've done a lot of research on, you know, the synchronicity of how many people are having the same type of experience all over the world of different educations, different ages, different cultures, different languages. And we've got about 150 years of data from near-death experiences all the way through. And one of the key things that they report is that we choose to come here, that we articulate everything that we want to learn in this lifetime, And then it goes before a panel, literally, to say, you've taken on too much, you know, or you've not taken on enough, right? You're, you know, we don't think you can accomplish that and not want to leave, like commit suicide or leave, or it's too hard. Your soul is not going to, it's going to create more trauma than it will create an enhancement in your soul. So then we pick the people 
that are going to come with us and we're going to challenge each other. Some people we are not challenged are a respite. They're filling us with love. Other people's are really challenging and they push our buttons for a reason so that we can learn how to manage that particular aspect of our soul. And that's our soul family. And I like to think of it as like, if you've ever walked down a busy street, New York city, LA, any street, any, it doesn't even have to be a busy, big city. It can be a little city, but you're walking down the street and there's all these people passing you and you don't even see them. They're like ghosts. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden somebody will come walking up the block and they come into perfect view. Like they're crisp. They're clear. You lock eyes, you nod, you smile, you move on. You remember them for a moment or even the whole day. There's a connection. There's a thing. They're your soul family. And they're in the same vein as you. We don't see everybody all the time. There's tons of things going on around us. I had a friend who was a heroin addict, ex-heroin addict, came and visited me when I was living in Oakland by Lake Merritt. And it's a safe little area as far as I was concerned. It was beautiful. We, I used to walk around the lake all the time and, and run around town down there and completely felt safe. When he came to visit, he was pointing out all the drug deals going on and people shooting up that I'd never seen in the park and all these different um, things. His, you know, his awareness was completely right. different. And for about three or four days after he left, I saw it in my neighborhood and it was really creepy. I was like, wow, there's so many drugs in my neighborhood. And then about you know, within a week, I didn't see it anymore. I couldn't see it. I even looked for it. And I was like, huh, it's not in my soul family. Oh, I love it's that not much. my journey. Right. It's not my journey to pay attention to that. So we're all in that experience. And I believe when we die, you know, I, I was just talking to a woman that I met randomly and her daughter is on drugs and has, they don't, they can't find her and she's homeless down in LA somewhere and they don't know, mm-hmm. you know, they, she's pretty much given up on her because it's, it, she had to, you know, her daughter's thir- in her early thirties and it's just not communicating. Right. It's been like three years since I talked to her. I said, wow, it's going to be really interesting. I told her, first of all, it's not her responsibility. And I explained this whole concept we're talking about that she has her own being this and she came down here and she's got something she's doing and we don't understand what it is. And Mm -hmm. obviously it's not to be part of your journey on a big scale because they're separate. You're not down there pulling her out of it. You guys have separated. I said, it's going to be really interesting when you die to sit down and have a talk with her and find out what she learned. So I love that. And she thought, I've never thought of it that way. And I said, Mm -hmm. yeah, I said, it'll be a great conversation. I think she Mm -hmm. said, you know what? That makes me so happy. That gives me hope. I I said, yeah, because this isn't all there is. Right. I mean, we have tears. Oh, yeah. I love looking at life like that. And I do look at life the way you just described. And I think when you get like where I'm at now with the page going one more year of high school and college and, you know, three more years with Presley or four more years with Presley, it's like holding on to these precious memories, you know, but I have a different perspective now it's really shifted in my heart like they are all their own and I was Wayne Dyer used to always say that to me like he would speak to my soul when I the girls are little they babies come through you but they're not yours that's right and they're on their own journey that's another one we always say you're on they're on their own journey and there's no judgment to know that you're always connected and we're always going to be together it's all we're all just growing we're all here to grow and learn and expand and yeah and I think one of the other things you know I tell parents who feel guilty about raising how they raise their kids mm-hmm. you chose each other you have the perfect dysfunction that they needed for their journey or they right. wouldn't be with you like whatever happened is part of them like that's why I think one of the healing things about you know my childhood 
is that I chose my parents. I believe it. It opens me. And it also opens me that those lessons that I learned are super important to what I do now. Mm. I understand the depth of the pain of childhood. You know, even when it looks like middle-class family where you're fed and you have what you need, we all have our trauma and it's about how do you move through that? And, and so I don't blame them. I don't judge them. They did the best they could. And it was perfect. It was perfect for Mm. who I am today. I needed that. There's no guilt. In fact, guilt is always closing. Here's a, here's a good way to, your emotions are not your internal guidance system. Very important. Your emotions can be programmed just like your, your thoughts is, you know, they, they totally can. We actually act the way our parents, we watch our parents act a lot of, of our emotions. And so it's so cute. There was this Instagram video with this boy and he, he's like three years old. No, it was, and, and he's walking and his back is like, he's like, oh, as he's walking across the living room. And then there, the mom goes over and shows the dad and he goes walking across the living room and he's holding his back. You know, it's like, <laughs> we do that, right? We think that's how totally. like, oh, for sure. And so guilt is always closing. It's never true. Notice how nobody takes action on guilt. It just runs around in our head. It's a program. And what the program is, is what will make you a good or a bad person. And somebody else put that in your head. Mm. A good person does this. A bad person does that. A lot of mom guilt, right? Mm -hmm. Moms are super hard on themselves. Remorse is always opening. Remorse is the opening essence. And when you have remorse, you fix it. You apologize. You make up for it. That's the difference. That opening is like, ooh, I got to fix this. This isn't okay. Mm -hmm. I I should have done that or I should have done this or, you know, and you you go and fix it. Where guilt, it just runs around in your head and makes you feel bad. It's closing. It's never true. And it's about making up the real rule of what makes you a good person and makes you a bad person in your heart with your truth and you, not somebody else's vision. And our parents do our best to give us their guidelines so that we get along in the world, right? but it doesn't necessarily mean it's true for us. I love looking at my childhood and thinking, wow, this was all planned. (laughs) It's now gotten me to be who I am now. And thank God for the dysfunction. Thank God that was all perfect. Everything, you know, and it's like, and now as my girls and their childhood, you know, we're on the tail end. And I think, what stories are they going to share? Like, how did I program them? You know, what will I witness in them and what will they feel open in what, you know, what just watching them now as teenagers and seeing that all set in, you know, and having that awareness. Let's go to the exercise. We have like a few minutes left to the exercise where we close our eyes and we can, we go through so people can kind of understand it. Cause I, I liked that because it kind of helps people understand what you're talking about with our bodies. So we're going to walk you through feeling your internal guidance system, everybody out there. So if you can sit, if you, if possible, if you can sit in a place and be quiet, if you can't come back to this video and do this part at the end, because it's really beautiful. If you do not feel this exercise, that does not mean you do not have an internal guidance system. I want to tell everybody right up front, because really it's about working with the mind. And so if your mind is filled right now with a whole bunch of to-do lists or things that are going on. And it's not a good opportunity for you to like quiet your mind. Come back and do it when you can have more of a relaxed moment. But we're going to start. The way to do this is go ahead and sit down and you put your hands in your lap and your feet on the floor and close your eyes. Take a deep breath and let it out.
And I want you to feel the bottom of your feet. Just feel them resting on the ground. You're going to notice there's some tingling, a little energy there. Some people feel a little bit of a heat, like your feet are coming awake on the bottom. And then feel the palms of your hands. And we'll notice again that you start feeling a little energy there, a little tingling, like they're waking up. And notice your feet and hands together. And feel them both at the same time. The hands and the feet tingling. Now I'm going to give you a thought, two different thoughts, and I'm going to have you just let them roll through your mind like a cloud would through the sky. Don't hang on to them. Don't try to think about it. Just stay with your feet and your hands. And notice any sensation between your throat and solar plex area. Okay, feet and hands. And here's the first thought. I do not have an internal guidance system. I do not have an internal guidance system. Notice any sensation between the throat and the solar plex. Have it run through your mind a couple times. I do not have an internal guidance system. Now focus on your feet and hands again. And here's the second thought. I do have an internal guidance system. I do have an internal guidance system. Notice any sensation again, any shift, any change between your throat and your solar plex area. I do have an internal guidance system. Now wiggle your toes, open your eyes. How was that for you, Ashley? Oh, good. You know, I've heard you do that before, but I've never sat and because I've been listening to you if I'm walking. So, you know, it's the the chest, when you know, the, the tightness and the whole thing with it, like all the way through here. And then it was so calming when I... I do have one. Everything just like left. It was just this like a calmness, you know, like open, open. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's open. I love so that. All day long, we're expanding and contracting in this area in relationship to what we're thinking. When what we're thinking is aligned and true and going to make us happy and bring success, we open and we expand or go to neutral. And when you have thoughts that are taking you out of alignment, not going to bring you happiness, not going to be successful, you feel the tightness. And this is a visceral thing. And we have complete control of our suffering. Hmm. We have complete control. It's in, in pivoting the thought and finding that expansion. You're out of suffering at that moment. And you can stay there for the rest of your life. It takes some time. It takes practice. It takes training. It really does because our minds are crazy. But the shift is in that. It's just learning how to shift to find what's true for you in every moment, time after time again. But let's say you're at a party and there's all these women walking around. Are you going, is she closing me or opening me? Is, am I closed? Look, she never opens me or closes me. It's what I think about she. Okay. I think about her, right? right? So if I think she doesn't like me and I feel a tightness, or she's judging me and I feel a tightness. That means what I just thought about her judging me is not true. She right. is not judging me. So I'm like, oh, she's not. This is my story. It's my garbage. And I'll open back up. But no, really what happens is in the beginning, you're using this tool like that. But what I found is that we talk about the flow in nature. We are ready to drop into that. I teach people how to drop into the flow. So what that means is, is 
you move, there's the other way to use the IGS is you'll feel something pulling you. It's like when you're, when you get an urge to call a friend and it keeps coming up, like you're going to call her, you know, you feel it. It's not up here. It's not like, Oh, I got to call so-and-so because we got to, yeah. no, it's like a, I need to call yes. Peggy. I need to call Peggy. I got, you know, and then you call them and they're like, I was just thinking about you. I just needed you or whatever. When things get done, like how things get scheduled, conversations that I have, everything goes from this flow. It's, you flow from one thing to the next and you don't use your mind except for imagination and creation. And so there's an energy and, and in that energy, if there's ease. I liken it to like dancing. Let's say you're dancing on the dance floor and they change the music and your body just automatically goes, even it's almost, it's exact same moments, even before it happens. Or you're cooking in the kitchen and you're closing the oven with your foot and you're pulling this out and you're mixing this and you're stirring that and you're washing this off. And there's a flow, there's an energy and we all have it. We're all in it at certain times. Well, we're supposed to stay there. We're supposed to live there always. And that's where the magic and the perfection of us being together in a coordinated movement as human society and nature happens. And so it's really, if I, if you use it where you're like, am I open or closed? Then you're still in your head. Mm. And this mind is the thing that's causing all the problems. But this energy that's here is what solves them. Right. So we mm-hmm. has to drop into this expression. And that's what I really teach. And the tool is the internal guidance system. But the essence of how to live as a being comes from flow. Yeah. Tell me what that stands for. Feeling just... light, open, and wise. Yes, I love that. I was just on your Heaven's Compass class. So you started teaching classes in your living room. Yep, I did. Wait, like Esther. Like, yeah, so exactly, just like Esther. And by accident, when the crash happened in 2001, you know, we were in the middle of ground zero of the dot-com crash. And I went, I was super close when all that was happening. You know, I could not find an opening thought. I had to lay people off and close the London office. And we had all these clients that just kind of which retracted their budgets, not knowing what was going to happen. And I was closed and I was trying to find an opening thought. And one night I was laying in bed and I thought, well, my IGS got me here. And I know that I'm closed because I kind of forgot about my IGS for a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, what got me here? And I, it's never failed me. So what is the thought that will open me? And after noodling around a bit, what opened me was I'm getting my experiential MBA. And I got a big opening. What I'm going through right now is very few business people actually get to go through. I will use this again. And I have, I've used that knowledge of, of a crash as as an entrepreneur many times in my life. And so I got excited about learning about it and figuring it out and how are we going to get through this and what is it going to mean? And, you know, really went from, instead of being depressed, went into it as like a, okay, what am I learning? My friends started noticing. They were like, okay, we used to get together on for potlucks on Friday. We were also broke at that time. And, you know, they're like, what is going on? Either tell us the doctor that's giving you the drugs. Right. Or tell us what's happening because you were despondent too. And now you're happy and you're excited and you, you're, you're energized by what's going on. And I was like, well, I got this little tool that I kind of figured out and it's how I lead my life. And you know, uh-huh. that's yeah. how I talked about it back then. Cause it was kind of embarrassing and weird. And uh, they're like, well, we mm-hmm. want to learn. And so I started doing these little classroom class things and I didn't know how to teach. I was a horrible teacher. I just oh, used to wow. give people, I know I used to give people just tons of information, but your mind doesn't need it. Your mind's already got enough. And so the, here's the interesting thing. You can't change your mind with more information, more classes, more books. Right. The mind gets programmed by the body. So for instance, I you know you'd probably already know the answer if you've been studying. <laughs> I know, but, but I'm glad we're going to talk about it. <laughs> so what color is a yield sign in the United States? Tell me what your first response is. Yeah, of course, it comes back with yellow. 
Yellow. Every, yeah. Most everybody says yellow. Right. The real answer is it's red and white. Back in 1974, they changed the yellow and black yield sign to red and white. And the reason why people see it is because even if they were born after 1974 is because we have it on billboards and t-shirts and book covers and even Sesame Street in, in 2016 showed the snowman from, from frozen dancing around with the yield sign, you know? So the thing is, is that if I ask you this in a two, in a year, and this has happened on coast to coast AM with George Norrie, he had me back on and he was blown away. I remember during the break, he was like, his, his producer was like, we know it's yellow and black, and but it's true. You said it, it's on Wikipedia. It was red and white. <laughs> you know? oh, and I came back a year later and I asked him again and he still said yellow and black because your mind doesn't update that way. So if I gave you a, a red crayon on a white piece of paper and you drew the red yield sign, you remember it for the rest of your life and you'll see it. The cool thing and interesting thing is, is even if you know it's red and white, as you go out, I used to have students go to lunch and there, I knew there was four red and white yield signs on the way to lunch. They wouldn't see them. They would not see them. It's like they couldn't. Mm-hmm. When I have them do the red and white crayon and I have them go to dinner, then they would see the four yield signs because they've updated their brain. And so the internal guidance system is, give, you know, it, it notices the yellow yield signs in your life and it updates them to red and white. And it, because it's going through the body and you're reprogramming the mind, it sticks. Mm. I think it's one of the true, only true ways we can tr- actually update our mind besides to, it's all somatic practices. So when I taught, I used to give people tons of information. And then I realized that the way to do it is the Miyagi approach. That's what I call it from Karate Kid. Wax yeah. on, wax off, remember? In a particular way. And he was teaching them somatically to do blocks in karate. And he had it. You couldn't, you can't lose it once you've done something over and over again. That, that's the beauty of it. And so I learned that I need to give people practices that they actually physically do with their body. That's what all my teaching is. And then they have an aha. And then that aha sticks and they're building mastery and competency over it with these little practices. So what would be one of your like practices? Yeah. Practices that you love. So anytime today, this is what your listeners can do is that you feel frustration. You feel fear, anxiety, overwhelm, irritation, procrastination is actually closing and not true. It's divine timing. There's a whole thing around procrastination. That really helped me, by the way. I want you to know that I have a whole different feeling around procrastination. I love that. It's cool. Yeah, Yeah. it makes makes such a difference. Every time you feel that tightness, lump in the throat, tightness in the chest, stop just for the next 24 hours and say, I am closed. Because that's a pattern interrupt. You're, You're actually waking the brain up to something different. And then say, that means what I'm thinking is not true or not going to happen. And you're going to feel, you're going to go from that tightness to a slight expansion. You'll feel it. It's just a release of the tension. Just That's all you're looking for is a slight release. That is an opening. A lot of people are looking for something big, but it's really just, you'll notice that you it releases. If you just do that, you're beginning to actually wake up the connection between your internal guidance system and your mind. You're also going to notice a reduction in stress and tension. You're going to be happier. Over the next 24 hours, you can keep it going for the rest of your life. If you just did that, you'd be catching and moving thoughts. But there's so much more to this and being able to to create your life around you and reprogram your mind. But just that one practice will get you started. I love it. I love everything that you do. Thank you. And I have enjoyed your, the new program is Heaven's Compass. Yes. And there's so many things on your website. You could, and there's, it's not expensive. Like you can- do the Soul Academy, right? The Smart Soul Academy. Yeah. Yep. 
And that's that, like- that has 13 programs in it. And it's a monthly membership of $47. And you get access to all of them. You start with the beginning program. And there's coaching with that. So you can, there's, there's weekly coaching calls, group coaching calls, and they're all archived. There's three years of coaching calls in there, which are mm-hmm. really wonderful. If you've had a chance, listen to one or two in there. Although you have the, you're in heaven's compass. So you've been hearing the, the those coaching calls. Yeah. So you feel for what they're like. Yeah. Amazing. And yeah. And my mission is really to wake people up that this exists so that they can use it and get on their purpose and give their contribution so that we can recreate heaven on earth. I mean, that's, I believe we can do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, me too. So much. I just love everything that you speak and believe and teach. And I have a, like a vision in my head. Like I see kids learning this. I see this being part of school, like something like a, are we, are we having a camp or is it a after school program? I mean, I, it's like, I'm trying mm-hmm. to manifest this vision because Good. I think these what a gift to learn, have this in their life going out into the world. And as a parent, knowing that they have that gift and that you've instilled that in them or they've instilled that in themselves as they leave and can yeah. just have the confidence to take on the everything in their life. Yeah. Well, my daughter, we adopted my daughter. Oh, she, you did? Yeah, we did when she was 10. And Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Yeah. And oh. We became her guardians, but we see it as an adoption. And there's specific reasons we decided to do guardian route. But when she got here, she was really, she said she was bad at math. And I had taught, I was teaching her how to use her IGS. I said, does that open you? Oh. And she goes, no, I'm closed. I said, that, that, that thought's not true. You just haven't, math is a language and you haven't learned the language. Right. And so I started teaching it to her. We homeschooled for two years during COVID. And I started teaching her the language of math. Right. And now she's excels at it. She's really good. And she loves math. She actually loves it. So it's, can you imagine being in school and having a teacher be able to say to you when you say, I'm not good at this and be like, does that open you? Mm. Oh, yes. You know, I mean, and no, and then start working with their brains from this place of teaching them how to, to get rid of that limitate, these limitations and these false beliefs about ourselves and the labels that get put on us. And well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in awe that you adopted her at 10 and she's only 14. So you've only had her in your life for four years. I, I have a tear, like it's making me emotional, but think of that. Like, like she was part of your soul family and that, she, oh my gosh, whatever she experienced from her first 10 years of her life, yep. you're in her life to deprogram that. Yeah. We belong together. Oh my gosh. Such a perfect fit from our, for our family. She's like half my husband and half me. My son and her are, have never had a fight. They get along so well. I don't even know what we would have wow. done without her in our lives. Everybody's like, oh, that's so great that you adopted her. I'm like, yeah, it's so great that she got to be, that we get to have her in our lives. She's so cool. I mean, we love her so much. And I don't even know what it would be like to not have her in our lives. I mean, it's just crazy. Oh, wow. That really touches me. That's just amazing. You're like this angel. <laughs> I just have loved every minute and learning about you. And I know we were supposed to record earlier. And I just, that was a time where I I know exactly when you say if it's not, it didn't, it's not right. We just, we're going to do it today. And it was perfect. Like I, I even got to do more of that heaven's compass, get to know you more, learn about your breast cancer journey and like how you even went through that. That's 
that right there, you experiencing breast cancer and having the tools that you have to go through that is that that'll change millions of women's minds. And when they go through that, like that right there is like, I almost was thinking, gosh, Zen chose to have breast cancer so she can use her tools to show people how to demonstrate that they can work through this. It was completely fear-free. From the I know. I found the lump all the way through because I just kept following the openings to being an advocate for myself on treatment. And I'm cancer-free and there's a 1% chance of recurrence. It's so small and I'm healthy and it was fear-free and drama-free. It really was, you know, and you can go through these experiences that seem like they're filled with fear, fear-free. It's even yeah. more than fearless. If anything happened if that I could do anything, it would be to eradicate fear on the planet. That is where we're at and what we need to do is eradicate. People are like, oh, fear is healthy. I don't think it's healthy. Yeah. Oh, it's not. And anyway, like fight or flight. And I believe it's fight, flight, freeze or flow. Mm. Yes. I do believe. I mean, because my husband, he's first responder person and he's been trained so well. And when an emergency happens, he goes right into flow and he just knows exactly what to do. And he follows this instinct that he has. And I believe that we're supposed to move. We're not supposed to fight, flight or freeze. I think we're supposed to flow. And that the fight, flight, or freeze is closing of the IGS. You know, it's when we're closed down and we get frightened. And mm-hmm. that means that what we're thinking isn't true. And so, because if something bad happens, it will open you. Like when I felt the lump, I was like, oh, this isn't, this isn't one of those little fibroid things. This is cancer. And mm-hmm. I opened, you know, and then I thought, oh, I'm going to die. And I closed. And I was like, oh, okay. This is not a death sentence. I'm okay. And I sat with it for a few days. And then I went to my husband. I said, well. He's like, how do you know? I said, it opened me. He goes, oh, okay. I said, but I'm going to live and it's all going to be fine. I don't know why I'm going through it, but it's definitely important and and I'm supposed to do this and it's all going to be okay. And he's like, okay. I said, I'm telling you, I'm open. You know, it's going to be fine. And that's exactly how it was. Oh gosh, I love that. If you were to give your 14 year old girl self back advice, what would be your one piece of advice? It just dawned on me like what? Would you tell her? You will always have what you need before you need it. Ah, uh, yes. Don't uh, worry about anything. You always have what you need before you need it. Another tear. <laughs> My tear jerker. And I'm sure you give that to your beautiful new daughter that you... It's true have. for all of us. Yes. There's some archetypical thoughts that always open you and they're always true. One is that I don't know how, but it's going to end up being the best thing that could have happened. It's always mm-hmm. true. You always have what you need before you need it. It's always true. And the world is perfect as it is. Like it, it's happening in a perfect way at a perfect time. And it's, there's a perfection to it that you, if you, if you wait, you'll see it. You'll see it. And so when something happens, I have my students say that they're like, or they need something or they have this fear. A lot of people are in fear about money and stuff. And it's true. It's like, look at this. You always have what you need before you need it. And that is, is the right strategy, the right thinking, the right emotions, the right. And even when you feel like you're blowing it, you're not. Everybody's doing their best. That's another archetypical thing that's true is everybody is doing absolutely the best they can. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to do my worst. Right. You know, even addicts that I've talked to who are deeply addicted, wake up in the morning and say, I'm not going to do that today. I don't, I'm not going to do that today. And they may do it that day, but they wake up trying to do their best. Right. And sometimes our best is that, the stuff that looks messy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
from the bottom of my heart for being here and sharing this time Thanks with for having me. me. And I get to share you now with my world and I'm so excited for them to meet you. Thank you. To- I have a book and you yes. can check it out. I've got, it's on Audible and Amazon and it's called Your Inner GPS and it's a little manual on how to use this. So if you do nothing else out there, get the book and it'll give you what you need to get rolling and to be able to use this in your life. Isn't there like, is that 18 things or what is your, the book, how you wrote it's called that? Your Inner J- GPS, it, 18 things. I don't know. Like there's something, What the book is more of like a, guidebook. Yeah. It's a, it's a manual on your manual. ideas, what it is, yeah. how it works, yeah. what are the, you know, troubleshooting in the back. Like when you're having this problem, you do this. And when you're having that problem, you do that, you know, kind of thing. Right. And it's a little mini manual. It's super short and sweet and easy. And you will be able to use your IGS once you read it. It's there. Oh, good. Okay. I love it. Thanks. All right, my dear, thank you again. And I look forward to, I know we're all eternally connected. Yes, we are. Thank you for having me. No, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.